How do you deal with kids when they're showing defiant behavior? Do you yell, punish, threaten, and ban them from everything they love for weeks on end? Today's guest, behavior therapist Amelia Bowler, shows us how to get on the same page about parenting kids when they're being defiant, and even when we are. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions. So we talk with amazing couples who share their stories and incredible experts who share their wisdom about building a life together. And at the end of every show, we give you a conversation starter so you and your spouse can build more intimacy and connection in your marriage by having conversations that matter. Hello there, family. It's Danielle and Justin. This uh, is episode yes. 112. Where were you going with that one? I don't know. Whether you've been <laughs> listening since the beginning or you just found us today, welcome to the show. It's a new year and we have lots of new listeners. So here's a few ways you can join the adventure. All right. So you can subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. Woohoo! Share a favorite episode with a friend. Yeehaw! Join the conversation in our Facebook community. Oh, yeah. There's always fun stuff going on in there. Or take the 4x4 Marriage Challenge. Just hit legendarymarriage.com slash 4x4 to join in the challenge with us. All right. Before we dive in, I want to talk about our sponsors. We have two things to share. Uh, The first is Freshly. If you don't know about Freshly, uh, you got to check this out. It is Freshly. Fresh, chef-prepared, all-natural gourmet meals delivered to your door every week through a subscription model. You go to their website, you pick out the the meals you want, and they've got a great variety and everything, and it's always fresh, never frozen. Uh, the good ready stuff. Ready to eat in three minutes. Yeah. And it's good stuff. Like, none of the crazy chemicals and craziness and glutens and it's, glutens. It's yummy goodness. So go to legendarymarriage.com slash freshly to get 30% off your first month. Is that possible? Yeah. <laughs> so begin joy- enjoying your fresh, delicious meals delivered to your door every week. All right. Now, we have curated... Uh, some lists, some ideas of gifts to give, of books and resources and things to help uh, help you build the legendary marriage. Um, of course, we have all of the, the books and resources that our guests have shared with us. All on Amazon. Uh, yeah. Know, everybody's yeah. favorite place to shop, legendarymarriage.com slash Amazon to support the Legendary Marriage Podcast and get your Amazon on like yeah, you do. It's easy and quick and it delivered to your front porch and and or wrapped and delivered straight to the person you want to give a gift to. It's so cool like that. All right. Gotta love Prime. All right. Everybody loves it. All right. So here we go. Today, we've got Amelia Bowler on the show. Yes. And first of all, I have to confess, she is a friend of ours. She's one of our favorites. Yeah. We've had her on the show before. She gave us some ad- amazing uh, advice about raising parents. And you know what? Today's show, I really feel like there was a lot of insights that we use for our relationship as well. Yes. It wasn't just like the kids. Um, it was kind of like two by fours to the head, kind of nonstop. You know, <laughs> you know, Amelia was is one of their favorites, right? I know. Like her episode has been one of the top 
downloaded episodes of all time. All right. So back by popular demand. Here we go. Here is our conversation with Amelia Bowler. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Amelia Bowler. Yay! Oh, my gosh. Amelia, it's so good to have Amelia Bowler back on the show. She was actually on episode 70 talking about, for the love of God, please get our kids to go to bed. I don't think that was the name of the episode, but that was... It should have been. That was the... It should have been. But she is a behavior therapist. She rules in creative, connected parenting. She helps people listening to the whole family, really. What are their goals and needs and how can they get the best outcome for their entire family? She even deals with special needs kids, ADHD, autism, and other brain differences. And um, challenging behavior is really her specialty. So we're so glad to have her talking about defiant why uh, do I suddenly behavior. feel like like you're trying to make this about me? Well, we always want to bring our personal stories into the podcast. Why do I so. feel like I'm about to get ganged up on here? Mm, no. Amelia, thanks for being on the show again. <laughs> I'm not challenging. You're challenging. Hey, Amelia. Hey, how's it going? I think oh. as Justin is illustrating, uh, defined it's a pretty loaded word and we all have our own histories with it. Yeah. yeah I'm wondering, um, did you have any exposure to defiant kids? Like when you were a child, did you have a thought of it? Cause I know my kids always come home and they go, they like to label kids. Oh my God. They like yeah, to say, today. they like to say, there's this troublemaker in class and they say things like that. And I'm like, that they're not a bad person. Maybe they just made a bad choice or, um, you know, something like that. So I don't know. Did you have any exposure to that as a kid? I remember there was a child in my class that my whole family referred to as Doug the Wild Jungle Beast. Oh my God. The Wild Jungle Beast. Oh, Doug. But I don't think I was an angel either. My parents were brilliant and they kept this uh, basically a diary of the little things we said. And man, I was I was a sassy youngster. They wrote down a few of my one-liners and, you know, for example, my grandmother's reaction to them. Um, do you remember any of those off the top of your head? There was one instance, I think, where my very lovely great-grandmother was being irritated by, by my behavior and she was threatening to leave. Oh. And she was saying, you know, and, and Nana will go away and she'll never come back again. And I apparently replied, that would be nice. Oh, oh. burn, great-grandma. Yeah, that was one for the books. I remember uh, doing something and I, I don't even, I don't remember One of what. the many things. I don't remember I'm what, sure. I honestly don't remember. But uh, I was old enough that, that spanking was really kind of like, we've, we should be past this. And mm. my dad busted out his belt and he just like went to town. Oh, geez. And I said, is that all you got? Oh, honey. And he did it again. And I said, come on. And like, I, and it was just like, it was one of those like stare down moments. Oh, why were you doing that? You got to start the fake cry and my, then you get out of it. My butt hurt so bad for like three days. Okay. And I think. But I feel like I won. Exactly. I think we do find ourselves in those situations. I think all of us parents and, and even as kids or where we've thought, I can win this. I can win this by basically just 
waiting you out until you're forced to choose between losing and doing something illegal. Mm, Sounds like politics. (laughs) So I'm wondering, how did you get into specializing um, with kids that really had these special challenging behaviors? I think I was always just really drawn to spend time with them. I was kind of... um, I remember being a really depressed teenager, but one of the highlights of my week was going to church and hanging out as a, and just being the Sunday school teacher, just sort of getting my mind off all the teenage problems that I had and hanging out with the kids, you know, eating the graham crackers. Um, As I got older, I got interested in being a high school teacher. I eventually started specializing in uh, special ed. And I think one of the highlights for me was being given a classroom of Four boys, all of them about 13 years old, all of them with their own diagnoses, including oppositional defiant disorder, Tourette's, chronic fatigue, autism. They were really strong personalities. And this was this was your highlight. Yeah, because they had burned through every other staff member on the team. Oh, jeez. They just didn't. They didn't go with the flow, you know. Like if you tell them what your agenda is, they're going to have opinions about it. And they're going to have opinions about each other. So I learned a very flexible and non-confrontational style of getting them to do exactly what I want them to do. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a useful skill. Oh, and I'm assuming that was kind of just the tip of the iceberg. So you were like like Michelle Pfeiffer in that, that movie. Backwards chair and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have the leather jacket? I do now. What was the name of that movie? Oh, Dangerous Minds. Dangerous, Dangerous Minds. Yeah, I kept wanting to say The Unteachables, but that was that's that's. I literally not right. have not seen that movie, but I love the music video. Uh yes, Coolio. Right? Was it a Coolio? <laughs> okay, so Amelia, you're drawn to the challenge, obviously. Oh. So when you started to have your own kids, you and your husband had your own kids. Did you think, well, you know? my kids aren't going to have any issue or, you know, I'm going to be the parent that has the, you know, the, the whisperer kind of effect and it's going to be all good. Or like, what did you kind of think when you became a parent? Oh, I was a hundred percent deluded. I thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. If you go back about a hundred years, um, kind of the origins of behavior science was this equally well, possibly more deluded guy called James Watson, who was absolutely convinced that if you gave him a child, he could mold that child into anything he decided. He was 100% nurture, 0% nature. Hmm. Because I'd never seen the whole process. I was pretty sure it was going to be mostly nurture. That Hmm. I was, you know, maybe I could handle these kids who had these problems, but that's just because their parents didn't know how to deal with them at home and I was going to fix them. I'm going to raise my kid the right way. He's going to listen to me. I'm going to always be consistent with my consequences and give really clear instructions and make it so easy and make it so rewarding when they do the right thing. That was my plan. Sure. We all have wonderful (laughs) plans, don't we? (laughs) And then, yep. And then I met my first child and he had his own agenda. Yeah. Do you remember a moment when that kind of was like, Oh, I, I, I'm going to have to work for this. I was having flashbacks as I was listening to Justin talking about his dad with the belt, because for me, it never got to that point. I never picked up a belt, but I realized that I was in a situation where if I continued to 
try to use punishment and push harder and be scarier that we were going to, it was going to reach that point. Yeah. How do I say this? I realized that my son was much braver than I had anticipated. Mm. (laughs) That for him, the win was worth it. And it was worth almost no matter what. Like Mm. it was, it was worth anything to him. And I wasn't willing to make life miserable enough to find out what it would take. So I had to really, really rethink. I had to, oh, the other thing that happened when I was trying to use like consequences, punishment, basically, I realized that my son was learning to punish me. When he wasn't happy with me, he would say, that's what you get and go and, you know, take something that belonged to me or try to withdraw some kind of privilege from me or make some kind of threat. But oh no, like I am. So not- he was getting the whole punishment thing and He's he was trying it. to turn it on you. Yes. Yeah, he was way ahead of me. It's so interesting because I, I talk with a lot of guys and there's there really is a, a sentiment around masculinity in the mm-hmm. States, in, mm-hmm. in our culture. Uh, it's like men just need to toughen up. Mm. and and like my kid is is bad like does something he needs to get needs to have real Spanks consequences get spanked, have real consequences have you know yeah. feel the pain like they kids need a, a strong authoritarian but i'm like okay yeah and aren't we also just kind of increasing the tolerance level right yeah yeah and you do this i'm gonna do this and so and, and and it just keeps escalating to the point where where nobody talks, nobody. There's nothing left. Yeah, I definitely hear from families who have reached that point who say things like, "I've taken everything away. I have nothing else to take away." You know, he's. I told him he had to be in his room all day with no food because I couldn't think of anything else. But I didn't want him to get away with that. Mm. And my heart goes out to those families because I remember sure. reaching that point and and well, not the point. Like nothing illegal, but I remember thinking like, what else can I do to persuade you? And I remember saying to my child, like, I love you and I am trying to teach you this and we are going to go through this hard moment so that you will learn. Like I really, it was coming from such a good place. And he's like, I'm too. I don't care. (laughs) I am not going to learn anything. So there. (laughs) So I'm wondering too, like, did you and your husband differ at all about like it's kind of sounds like there was a point where you guys kind of just got thrown into the deep end probably when your kids started talking and walking and everything and just Mm -hmm. he's a normal guy your husband's just a normal guy and here you are this trained behavior therapist how did you guys start to approach parenting would you say your child was a defiant child I think he certainly fits that profile mm-hmm. but i don't really like the word defiant i think oh, defiant okay. describes things from our perspective we told them to do something and they said no but if you were told to do something that you thought was unfair or impossible you would say no and then you know your boss or your family member could call you defiant but it's a matter of perspective so you don't like the idea of the coin term defiant child what would you offer instead One thing that's helpful for me is to think of, I was thinking of him as a dragon. I was, I was looking at this toddler who was like standing there with his fists bald, like 
in a, you know, when they stand with their feet apart and their shoulders back and they're looking at you and they're just like, you are never going to break me. Mm. <laughs> and you're like, how can all this fit into a sweet little two-year-old? Yeah. Yeah. Holy smokes, kid. Um, I don't want to break you. I don't. I don't want to be the thing that you have to defeat. Mm. How do we get on the same team? Like you are a warrior. You are naturally brave. You are going to take a stand. You're going to say what you think. You don't go along for the sake of going along. You're not compliant. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. We just have to have the same agenda. How do we get there? Right. So that's our daily process is figuring out what his agenda is, letting him know what my agenda is and working through it. And it is really hard work, but no amount of harshness is going to take that out of him right so i have to work with it now wh- i'm curious hey, how that did sounds you... a lot like you and me i know i was going to say i feel like we could take that a couple levels um how did you and your husband start i'm sure there's been a lot of learning since then because your kids are in school now and um you know they're not two anymore mm. uh how did you and your husband originally start approaching you know, those tough situations, because I know you've got a lot of background in behavior therapy and he's just a normal guy. Like, how did you each approach parenting? Probably not well. Um, I think it's tough to be in his situation. It's tough to sort of grow up in the family that you grew up in. You know, that that's all, you know, you know, those patterns and you have, he didn't have a long history with kids at all. So he was responding in a way that made sense to him. He was, he was trying his very best to be coachable, but I think it's really hard to be a husband and a dad and a student all at the same time. Mm. So we've really moved away from that coaching model since then. And what we do is we, we look for other experts that we both, that speak to both of us. And then we're sort of responsible for our own parenting journey. Um, ideally we can tap out when we need to like saying, okay, I've run out of of ideas. I need you to take over. But, um, I think we're more or less on the same page. Yeah. It was better when we started both listening to someone else than having, being on the sidelines, trying to call the play. Mm. Mm. Now, did you, what did you find to be working when you realize, okay, this kid is going to be independent, strong-willed, they get a mind of their own, we're not necessarily on the same agenda. So how do you approach that as a parent? So what I learned is that all of the very simple sort of carrot and stick solutions aren't sufficient to overcome the impulsivity, the passion of the moment. So all of the warnings, all of the consequences, all of the promised rewards, I think those things work when you're being rational, when you're kind of calculating right. the risks and the benefits. But not in the heat of the moment. No, not, not at the all. The brain is raging on. Yeah. Yes. So we do two things. We set ourselves up so that we try to, as I said before, try to align our expectations. I find that visuals really, really help. Um, in my house, if I want to explain something, I write it down, I draw a picture of it, or I invite my child to write it down because with a pencil in his hand, he's much more focused. Um, so <laughs> this backfired the other day when he decided to just 
<laughs> write write down his own agenda over top of mine. Oh, <laughs> how symbolic! Thank yeah, you, honey. So, so mom wants times. to go to the grocery store. No, we're not doing that. We're uh, instead. <laughs> Or He's you, starting to learn no, editing in either. his writing. Yeah, he definitely edited my agenda. Well, the, my <laughs> idea was if you do this, then the following thing will happen. And he thought, no, this is just all of it that we're going to get. And it doesn't matter if I don't do what you're asking me to do. You still have to do the thing that I expect you to do. Mm, he just crossed off the first part. There was some, yeah, there was like a coding problem there. But <laughs> as much as we can, we set things up ahead of time so that we're all agreed and we're all prepared. Because when he's calm, he's totally fine with my agenda. Mm. But if he's got something in mind and then I sort of come in unexpectedly like, oh, wait, no, we don't have time for that. Then it's very, very frustrating. And it's very hard to have that rational. Well, if you do that, then the following will happen. He's not interested in that kind of a conversation. So, you know, I think about this. It, it is, is a big piece of this really just learning how to, to have social awareness, like understanding that, that, you know, uh, so Danielle and I talk a lot about Enneagram and, and some of the other assessments and we see things differently. And so getting aligned about things requires a process. It's not like Danielle, you could say right now, Hey, Danielle, let's, let's all meet up in Idaho Springs, Colorado or something like that. And Daniel would be like, okay. And she'd get up, she'd hang up the call, get up, throw a bag in the van and be on the road. In and like tires minutes. would be squealing. And I'm going, <laughs> I'm going, wait, wait, wait. We have to pick up kids from school. We have to like, I'm, I'm thinking like I, in order to get that freedom, I have to, I have to kind of have the plan. And so you it's just, yeah. it's, it's, it's just, yeah, it's our own process. And I think, you know, you said what you said was just made me think how often I forget the fact that our kids are little, they're tiny humans and they have their own processes. And it's not necessarily, like you said, it's not necessarily defiance. It's just difference. Mm. Maybe now would be a good time to sort of, if, if you're thinking as you're listening, my kid says no all the time and I have no idea why, um, what could be behind that? Because having your own plan, having an intention and an expectation is absolutely an obstacle. That's that's a big trigger for explosive behavior. But I'm going to throw a few other ones out there. Um, I find that kids exhibit a lot of defiant behavior when, when something is hard for them. I, so when they're saying no, and you can't make me, they might be saying, I don't know how to do this. I'm scared this is going to take a long time. I'm scared I'm going to fail. Sometimes we use the word defiant when what we're actually seeing is anxiety. Mm. Wow. Oh my gosh, I must have been a defiant little son of a gun. <laughs> um, why were you anxious as a kid? Well, yeah, depression and anxiety and, and yeah, just raging insecurity. <laughs> well, yeah. I, and you know, I love how you're saying um, a child who exhibits defiant behavior, not the you are a defiant child because um, you got to be careful what you put after I am or you are because yeah, the labels we put on people. Yeah, because then that is what they are. They're not your son. They are a defiant child. Oh, I agree. And so you brought up an important point and I'm going to launch into something <laughs> on top of that. So first of all, 
we don't want to tattoo that on our kids. Like you're yeah. a jerk, you're a beast, you're rebellious. We also respond according to how we label. So my child is being disrespectful. What should I do? I should correct that child. My child is being rebellious. What should I do? I should rule over that child. It's not a supportive stance at all. It's a combative stance. I'm, if you're trying to beat me, okay, I'm going to beat you. That's the position that gets us in trouble because then both of us switch off and we start throwing rationality, compassion, support out the window. And we're not parenting anymore. We're just battling. Again, I go, this is exactly the same kind of conversations we have with couples. Mm. When it's, Mm. when you care more about winning the fight or being right than you do about the relationship, Mm -hmm. there's no place to go. Yeah. And it's just, it's so so how do you, so so how do you avoid the battle with your child who on, you know, I mean, they are younger. They're not an adult. They don't have a lot of the skills that you have as an adult. Like, how do you not engage in a battle with them? Mm-hmm. Um, it depends where we are. If, if we are in a, a place where our child can be reasonable to an extent, you know, their, their executive functioning skills, their prefrontal cortex, all that brain stuff, that's developing until they're about 24 years old. So we have a long way to go. But to the extent that they're able... When they're able to like debate with us or argue with us or discuss, we use two tools. First of all, we use empathy because kids need to be heard. They need to know that we understand their position. Like what do people do when they don't feel heard? They say it louder and louder and louder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so you absolutely have to say, okay, I hear that you want to go outside. Um, Oh, yeah. It seems like you're kind of lonely right now. Stay tuned for more of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. All right. So all of December, we gave away 60-minute breakthrough coaching sessions, and it was a blast. We got to talk with some amazing couples who are fighting together to build legendary marriages. Yeah, it was so much fun. We decided we're just going to keep doing it. Let's do it. Coaching has changed our lives and our marriage. And we went through a crisis in 2005. We didn't know if we would make it. Like, obviously we did. And coaching's a big part of why we're still here. And Uh and it became such a big part that we're both coaches now. And 10 years have gone by, uh, more than 10 years have gone by, and all kinds of trials and challenges. And yet our marriage has never been stronger. High five, babe. Yeah, high five. So maybe you're like we were. Uh, Maybe you're in a really tough season. Maybe you're not sure how to find a way through it together. Maybe you're doing okay, but just feel like something's missing. Maybe it's something about the relationship. Maybe it's just something in your own piece of life. Why not take an hour to get some clarity, create a plan to build a life, a love, and a legacy together. Just head over to legendarymarriage.com slash coaching and schedule your free breakthrough session today. All right, so whether you're feeling that weariness um, or you just want to get a jump on 2019 goals, we'll give you a sounding board and get you radically clear about what's important. So wherever you're at, whatever you're up to, we want to help. No strings attached. We won't be trying to sell anything. We'll simply help you identify and process that thing that might be having you feeling stuck. And we'll get you a clear strategy to take action to get you where you want to go. So let 
legendarymarriage.com slash coaching to claim your free 60-minute breakthrough coaching session and today. And make 2019 the best year ever. Make it legendary. Yes, legendary. And now, back to our show. There are probably three different approaches that you can take. One of them is when everybody's calm. I call those the blue strategies. So we're negotiating, we're redirecting. As I've said, like drawing and writing really helps focus attention and just use more of the brain so that we're really clearly communicating. Not every kid is gonna be great at processing what you're saying. Not every kid is gonna be great at saying what they really wanna say. So sometimes we need more tools to get that across. Mm. When things start to get heated, if we don't wanna have a battle, but pure reason is just not cutting it. Like, why can't I have a snack before dinner? Okay. Right. Now we have some, we have some emotional stuff coming in. We have some physical stuff coming in. We're not going to be able to use just those pure reason. Well, because it's not good for you. We have to come in with warmth and understanding. Oh, it sounds like you're hungry. Um, it's really hard to wait for food. Do you want to know how many more minutes there are? Do you want some options? So addressing their needs instead of just telling them that they're wrong. <laughs> right. Because I feel like that will like bring the level down a little bit. If they're not so concerned of like, I got to get my point across. I got to get my point across. If they know that their point is across, then they can like, oh, okay. They get my point. Um, but I still want a snack. Like but maybe the energy has gone down a little bit. So this is think... every fight we ever have. Really? Yes. Wow. You mean I just need to say you just need I to know stop? you're hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Would you like yes! a snack? <laughs> yes. <laughs> If you start getting cranky, the first if question... If you were just to understand, empathize, and address what I'm saying without, without like, defensiveness or, or um, you know, trying to make your point before that, like, I, I, I'm, I would pur- literally purr like a cat with, with joy. Okay, nobody wants that, but... Which okay. sounds really weird yeah, that's, when I say it out loud. Yeah, that just sounds creepy. Okay, <laughs> Amelia, okay, so we've got the blue strategy. We've got the yellow which was the like i'm hangry um what about if they're totally off the rails yeah this is the hardest one because this is where we get triggered too this is where we feel under attack and we start lashing out or retreating or shutting down and doing all those stress reactions that we have we go into fight flight or freeze mode 100 (laughs) percent Yeah, it's really hard to avoid, especially if you're low on sleep, if you're hungry, if your agenda is not on track, if you had a bunch of expectations that are not being met, those are stressful. Mm. So you're not purely being reasonable. And sometimes it's very hard to be sympathetic. So first of all, I would just say, like, look at what your needs are and figure out if you can get any of them met. Does that mean asking for a minute so that you can just do some deep breathing? Does that mean getting some sensory tools that calm you? Like our house is slowly filling up with uh, like wine. Is that one of the tools? (laughs) I don't recommend water, water. Let's go with water or tea. (laughs) (laughs) That could just make it worse. (laughs) No, that could probably make it worse. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Cause we do need, we do need our decision-making. 
We don't need any more impulsivity. Mm. Yeah, we need to, to simmer down on the stress first. Then we need to try to connect with our kids emotionally. If our kids are so prickly, like I always think of the hedgehog, you know, the hedgehog that crosses their quills, it sticks straight up in the air, they go in a ball. You cannot hug that hedgehog at that moment. Right. You you cannot ask them to do anything you like. They're not following instructions. They're not going to have a snack. They're in a stress ball. Right. So the idea is how do we keep our kids safe in that moment? How, we, how do we help them feel supported? Because what I've noticed, unfortunately, is sometimes what we do in an effort to control our kids actually makes that stress reaction bigger because they feel unsafe. Mm, if you're but, trying to control them. Yeah, exactly. So they need a safe place to be. You need a safe place to be. Probably the less said, the better while things cool down. Then you can sort of go to the, the yellow strategies like, hey, do you want to just listen to this podcast with me for a few minutes? Do you want to go outside for a minute? I know some moms who are amazing at this. Actually, my husband saved the day because we were all just done. It was 11 p.m. We'd been on a long flight and the kids had been smacking each other. And then one of them got hurt, but they were mad at me because I was not being very sympathetic to the fact that one of them had been hit in the face because rationally, I told you, stop hitting each other so I don't feel very sorry for you. Well, you're so mean. <laughs> oh. And my husband said, hey, who wants to play trivia? And I just, God bless him, because nobody was being sympathetic or connected or rational in that moment. And he just kind of nudged us out of that loop. And they did want to play trivia. Oh, who doesn't? That's right. Especially at 11 o'clock at night. Bring it on. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So do you find that you said there's like the blue, the yellow and the red phases? Hmm. Like how often do kids really get to the whole red scenario? Cause I feel like that's probably where as parents, like there's the big, issue where you're just like, I, like how often do parents get to the red <laughs> oh well maybe like is that a big deal of um a home where mm. there is defiance present or is that kind of the rarity i think if you spend a lot of time coping with that it's it's going to become a crisis i don't think that people are designed to be in that much conflict with each other it's natural to get into the yellow and maybe once a day but and there's a whole range of responses you know there are some kids who will stomp around and and throw things on the floor and then there are other kids who will punch holes in the wall so yeah. for them that's the red but there's it will it can get more or less extreme I think for me the the like I was I joked earlier about parents being there but I think what puts us there's there's a certain amount of self care that we have to do, yeah. Because if if we're in in the red place, so to speak, right? Red room, red room. Um, then we don't have access to the the internal resources to try to lead somebody else. Yeah. So I I, I was thinking about just the self care, and I think also. 
like there was a there was a here's an example uh, months ago one of our kids we were we were i don't remember what we were doing it wasn't we were just kind of goofing or or trying to get them to brush their teeth or something like that and they spit in my face mm. and that took me from okay I, I i'm kind of annoyed that you didn't just like magically run up the stairs brush your teeth and tuck yourselves into bed took me from 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 there to okay disrespectful unacceptable i'm going to end you i brought you into this world i'm going to take you back out um and and it just it made me think uh, you know reflecting back it made me think about so much of that for me and i think for for so many of us is based in our own wounds our own assumptions and our own judgments, the stories that we tell ourselves, the interpretations we create about something. Yeah. Because she didn't mean like she, she's like five years old or something. She didn't at the time, she didn't, she, she didn't have a, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find the most deeply offensive wounding way to insult and disrespect my father in order to accomplish my plans for world domination. Unlimited no. chocolate. It was just a, it was just kind of a stupid, yeah, it was an impulsive, impulsive thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think what you're pointing to is, is a danger. It's a trap that we fall into. And it's certainly one that I walked into completely blind as parents, we want to teach and we want to communicate. Mm -hmm. We can't teach effectively when we're in the red and, and our kids can't learn when they're in the red. It's awful to have to wait <laughs> and not take that learning moment like, oh, I'm going to teach you what happens. If everybody's really kind of escalated, nobody is thinking rationally and the memory goes out the window as well. Like you think, oh, I'll teach you a lesson. You're not going to forget. No, actually they will. They'll forget what they did and they'll remember what you did. Ooh, that's yes. going to leave a mark. Well, <laughs> not, so but don't leave a mark. No, that's what no, she's no, saying. No. Um, so on that, like I'm a big believer in self-care. Mm -hmm. You kind of touched on that a few minutes ago. And so I'm curious, what do you, what do you do or what do you suggest for, for people who, to like help them stay in that, in that uh, rational, healthy place. When they're dealing with children that are pressing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Dr. Ross Green has a nice phrase. Like th sometimes there's, there's some coaching that you can do for yourself. Like, yeah, I'm going to look at this on the, on the cognitive side and then on the physical side. Awesome. Dr. Ross Green says, he's not giving you a hard time. He's having a hard time. So if you look at your child and say, whoa, you are really having a hard time putting on your pajamas. That seems hard. You don't really know why it's hard, but it's a lot easier to stay calm when you're thinking of it that way versus, wow, I asked you to put on your pajamas and you didn't. And that means you don't care about me. Right. Which sounds, which ri sounds, sounds ridiculous. Sounds familiar, Danielle. Yeah, it sounds ridiculous when you say it that way, but it's totally true. <laughs> it's yeah. what you're thinking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. If, so if you hear yourself saying that. We are so ridiculous. It is if, if you think so, about it. People are just ridiculous. At the time. <laughs> we are just ridiculous creatures, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's the cognitive piece. So how do you, you almost have to put on 
their perspective instead of yours. If possible, if you have enough brain power to do that. If you don't, if you just are starting to see, you know those old cartoons where the red starts to rise? Like yeah. The, the mist and comes in. Smoke. He, he gets yeah. to a certain point and then the steam comes out of his ears. Yeah. You got to remember that that stress is a physical thing. It's a hormone that's rushing through your body. It's waking some parts of your body up. It's shutting other parts of your body down. And to manage that, you have to make a change. You have to squeeze something, breathe, drink, walk outside, whatever. Sometimes Wait, intense. what do you mean drink? Just drink, drink water or oh, tea, okay. remember? I thought we were back on the bourbon. No, aren't you listening? <laughs> um, yeah, um, you want to do as much of that as possible beforehand, of course. Like, I just went away for a week and my family hosted us and we had a beautiful time and Every day we were scheduled with like tobogganing and movies and cookies. And I didn't schedule any time alone. Oh. And I didn't schedule any yoga. And by the end of it, I was a mess. Mm. I was a saber-toothed tiger because I hadn't advocated. I hadn't spoken up and said, guys, you know what? This is very fun, but I do need 20 minutes. So when is that going to work for you? Yeah. And I will do yoga and then I will eat the cookies after my workout. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those are I'm not down <laughs> eating of the cookies. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I just need a few minutes to myself. Yeah. So sometimes we have to speak up and plan those things because we don't know when we're going to need that extra mm. mindfulness and patience and generosity and empathy. Yeah, that's a good point too, is like build up the reserve <sighs> so that you can spend a little bit more time in the blue than in the red. And I just, I, I love what you're saying about the, the idea that no learning is going to happen in the red place. Mm. So I feel like the, the blue place is the learning where, where some learning can happen. Mm. And then the way that you describe the yellow, it's more like coping slash distracting. Like, yeah, yeah for sure. And then red is just, we just have to find a way to cool down, everybody calm down so that we can get back a level. That's the only concern at that point, not the issue at hand. The only concern is getting out of the red. Yeah, exactly. One thing that I hear from parents that, that really worries them is, well, I don't want to reward that behavior. Mm, by saying, oh, you can go outside and play for a little exactly. bit or something. That's, that's a big worry for some parents. Like if I, sure. if I am kind to them when they're upset, they're going to think that's the best way to, to get that reaction out of me. And I, it's understandable, but it's just a bit short-sighted. <laughs> um, if you don't want that behavior to happen again, it's... Yes, if the only time that they get video games is when they steal them or the only time that they get chocolate is when they cr cry after they kick the baby. Like, yeah, they're going to use those behaviors because that's what works. On the other hand, if you give them something that they would get at any other moment, like a hug or a break, they're not going to continue to do that terrible behavior just to get that because they know there's lots of other better ways to get that. They're not usually doing these dreadful things to hurt us <laughs> they're doing it because they are stuck 
Yeah. They're stuck. They're scared. They're anxious. I love that too, because it's like, if you give kids, think about that too, in your general parenting, like if you only give hugs when they're in the red zone, then that's on you as a parent. (laughs) Like you should be giving hugs regardless, whatever zone they're in. And then, but the cool thing too, is I hear you saying, like, if you give them a hug or say, go play outside for a little bit and they come back in in 10 minutes and then they're back in the blue Mm -hmm. and you can address like, okay, so you kicked your baby sister. Like you need to, you know, whatever it is, make amends or, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then learning can take place after they cooled themselves down they're back in the blue and then there can be learning yeah and so the learning could be all right well what were you thinking about what were you trying to get if we can get that far that's wonderful if we can think if you feel like hitting next time what can we do all right let's practice so we're we're getting that experience that's positive we're practicing the right thing instead of waiting for the wrong thing to happen and then trying to throw ourselves in front of that speeding locomotive Right. Oh, I like that. So when you get back into the, into the blue place, you can, you know, practice the situation. What are we going to do next time? You know, all that stuff that we love to teach as parents, but apparently in the wrong moment. It doesn't happen (laughs) when her voices are like this. (laughs) Apologize to your sister. Be kind. Yeah. Be calm. 100% guilty. And after, oh. when you're in that blue zone, you can create like little posters and reminders and games and messages. All of yeah. those things that help trigger our memories when we're in the yellow and we're not thinking 100% straight. We need a bit of support. What can I yeah. do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know that like we practice this. I know when I'm upset, I can go to my corner and I can get my fidget and. If I forget, there's a sign right there. <laughs> okay, so just in closing a little bit, what are the words of hope that you have for parents that are dealing with some defiant behavior in their kiddos? Okay. Um, there's always more going on than you see. Mm. You can't take it at surface value when your child says things that sound hateful when they have that dreadful when they're glaring at you and throwing things at you they love you desperately they are in over their heads and I know it's almost impossible but not entirely impossible for you to get in touch with all those warm fuzzies that you will instantly feel as soon as they're lying on that pillow with their eyes closed being completely angelic (laughs) and docile Um, if you're finding that hard, if you're responding like a saber-toothed tiger, then you need to plan ahead to include more time for yourself, more self-care, whatever that is, you might need to like reach out and ask because I've, (laughs) sometimes you just wait for people to notice that you're tired or you're like, oh, you know, when the kids play together nicely, I'll go and take a break. That may not happen. So don't, don't be reactive. Don't wait make sure that your life is set up so that your cup is being filled so that when your child is completely all over the place you can be that rock and then Mm. be easy on yourself when you can't because stress is a monster and we do things that we regret but the way we cope with it and the way we de-escalate ourselves and and be 
accountable to our kids is a great learning opportunity in and of itself. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Thanks so much. Oh my gosh. It was so awesome having you on the show for the second time. And for those of you that missed episode 70 about how to get your kids to go to bed, you're missing out. So go back and check the, out that episode too. Because Our kids now we've applied with Amelia taught and our kids now go to bed. Perfectly um, 500% perfectly of the <laughs> Every single time. It's a, it's a perfect experience every single night. No. Without, without fail. It's, it's, well, really, it's really miraculous. No, but the truth is it is way better. It is it's way, way better and we're way better. That's and right. I'm excited to, to have a conversation with, with Danielle about uh, just what we've talked about here and like figure out how we're going to get more on the same page about this and, and more intentional about it. Cause I think the stakes are just so high. Parenting is, it's tough and it's such a privilege and it's such an opportunity and the stakes are so high. Like we're raising tiny humans to become the next generation of, of, of leaders in the world. Yeah. yeah. And that's a big deal. And we're also even bigger than that. I think we're, we're trying to create a legacy. Like, and, I, and when you think about that, le- legacy isn't what you leave behind, how much money you have or anything like that. It's about the impact you have. And it's, I think the, the, the epicenter of that is the family. So, and I, I love how Amelia, you were talking about, like, I know that your passion and your drive is going to serve you well as an adult. Like you can see that, yeah. like, that's just part of who he is. And like, Justin, you know, even when your parents dealt with you, when your dad was ready to break his belt on your booty, like he probably thought, you know what, this kid's going to turn out all right. And look, he did. Yeah, the jury's out still. <laughs> I'm young. I, what I hear from parents is that they need kids need to learn how to be controlled. And I think that's true to a certain extent. It, we, we want our kids to be cooperative and we want them to be empathetic and to look around and follow social rules like oh everybody's sitting down on the carpet I better do that too but we also want our kids to experience compassion and to have compassion for ourselves and to know like I'm having a really hard time right now to help them self-regulate like learn how to self-regulate not just wait for someone else to shut us in our room so that we don't have to hear all the yelling Mm. It's, it's a lot harder that way but the truth is that we're not born simply to be obedient right (laughs) that's so true okay amelia how can our listeners find you and what you are up to oh well i would love if you came and visited me on the blog it's ameliabehavior.com i'm canadian we spell it with a u r instead of an o r (laughs) you can just google me amelia bowler um and you can find me on Facebook. My page is called Creative Connected Parenting. We even have a group where we can say all the things. <laughs> say all the Ooh. things that all other people... Yeah. The safe parent zone. Yeah, there's definitely stories that I'll tell in the, in the group that I would not put on the page because it's a, it's a no-judgment zone. Oh, yeah. I love it. I awesome. love it. That feels like a really good place. So Amelia, I hear you have a free giveaway for our audience that will be super helpful. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I actually do. I think that if you're interested in learning more about the fight, flight, and freeze reaction, and you want to know more about the different skills that your child needs for self-regulation so they can actually cope with what they're being asked to do, 
I created this thing. It's called What's Behind My Child's Defiant Behavior, and it's an assessment. It's very short. It's only five questions, but as you go through it, you'll be reading it and say, oh, that's 100% my kid. Or in some areas, you'll think, well, no, actually, he's really strong in that area. So you can sort of assess some of the strengths and weaknesses. When you get more specific about what the weaknesses could be, like, wow, we definitely have a hard time with flexibility, but planning, memory, and organization are a huge strength. That's how you can start building strategies that are going to work for you because they definitely have to be individualized for each child. Not every child needs a visual schedule. Not every child needs a timer. It's really about their their individual strengths. Oh, wow. That will be super helpful. And we will include the link to that in the show notes. You won't want to miss it. All right. Thank you so much for being on the show, Amelia. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay. So empathy is the first step when kids show that they're in distress, honey. I really love that you said, this is what you need to do for me. (laughs) Yes. And I mean, I'm not laughing. It's not a joke. Like it's really. Stop laughing at me. Stop laughing at me. Honestly, it's so like, duh. I do it to the kids, but I don't or rarely do it to you. So I want to go on record as saying, I apologize and I'm going to be doing that. You're talking about empathy like, 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 I don't know, microwaving oatmeal. I do it for the kids, but I don't rarely do do it for you. (laughs) Like it's something you just do, right? You brush your teeth, you microwave oatmeal, you do empathy. Okay. You know that (laughs) empathy is not something that comes naturally to me. So I do have to remind myself to turn it on and do it. <laughs> I know it sounds weird, but it just it is just true. sounds so th- like I married, a, I married a cyborg <laughs> from the future sent oh. back in time. To... Okay, you're right. I admit it. It is a little robotic. Wait, you but... admit you're a cyborg from the future? Yes. All right. So now the talk about it segment part of the show. Each week we challenge you to set a time with your spouse to have a conversation that matters. All right. So this week, this is what we're talking about. You took my thing. You snooze, you lose. All right. So here's your conversation starter. What do you need in order to build up your reserves. We talked about that on the show about, especially with parenting, we could like immediately go into the red zone yeah. because we've like, you know, the old conversation, like I've had it up to here. Well, you know what? It didn't really start, you know, too far away from <laughs> having it up to here. So I'm going to reframe the question just because, so they're going to go back and talk to their spouse about this, but yeah. they may not have, both of them haven't listened oh, to the episode. So true. What do you need to build your reserves or better? Like what's the self-care you need to, to take so that you can, you have more of yourself to give to your family. True. I love how Amelia said, just take a walk. Yeah. Drink some tea. I'm a big fan of that. Mm, tea. I could go for some tea right now. I can, yeah. All right. So as always, we're talking about all the hot topics from this podcast and all the others. So much more on our free community on Facebook. So come join the conversation at legendarymarriage.com slash community. You can find this episode and the show notes at legendarymarriage.com slash 112. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show so we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. All right. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you, Hey, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.